welcome back to the Greek-Turkish Dialogue podcast series entitled Issues That Matter. This podcast series is brought to you by the support of Frederick Naumann Foundation. My name is Eylem Yanardaoğlu. I'm an associate professor at Kadir Has University in Istanbul, but uh, I'm also a research fellow at the Hellenic Foundation for European and Foreign Policy, LEMF's Turkey program. I am also this year a visiting academic at Pantheon University in Athens in the Department of Communication and Culture. I will be your host for this episode. And here with me today, I have two accomplished journalists uh, who are working in advancing women's empowerment in Greece and in Turkey through their organizations. I'm very happy to host Stella Kastagli, who is a gender expert and award-winning author. She's also the co-founder of a non-profit organization called Women on Top in Greece, which is aiming to enhance the professional development of women in the public sphere. Stella has also worked more than 10 years as an editor in a women's magazine, and she is the recipient of a Social Impact uh, Alumni Award. She's also a published author with eight books on the empowerment of girls, women, and teens. And I am also very pleased to have here with us today Aisha Karabat, who is a journalist and one of the founders of a non-profit organization called Senses Olmaz in Turkey, which I can translate as Not Without Your Voice. And this uh, organization is running Let the Woman Tell You or Let the Woman Explain You project, which is aiming to increase the visibility of women experts in the media in Turkey. Aisha also worked in various radio, TV channels and newspapers since 1994 and lived in the Middle East uh, as a journalist, wrote two books, The Voluntary Exiles of Jerusalem and The Syrian Wars. And um, the website or the portal Senses Olmaz is aiming to create a digital database that can be used by other public channels to bring women experts together. And I'm sure we'll hear about it more in a minute. I am welcoming you both to our uh, episode. And uh, let me begin by asking you about gender equality um, to give us a framework or a frame um, about this current situation in Greece and Turkey. Um, because um, Turkey was one of the uh, countries who um, where women received the the right to vote earlier than many European countries in 1934 and in 1953 in Greece. But uh, we still talk about women's underrepresentation in public and professional life in a way. So um, could you please, Stella, give us, um, our listeners, a picture about the situation, the current situation on gender equality in Greece? Um, thank you, Elam, for your uh, question. I think it's still very important for us to talk about gender equality in Greece and, and also all over the world, even in countries where we feel and we think that progress is greater than in other countries, there's still um, a way to be you know, uh, covered uh, in terms of gender equality. In Greece, we, we are still uh, at the bottom of the European Gender Equality Index for a few years now. We've been there, we've been stuck there. Uh, it's not that there hasn't been progress. It's like that other countries progress uh, much faster than we are uh, in terms of uh, especially power. Uh, we have a very low rate of women in uh, positions of uh, decision-making. 
both in politics, in uh, uh, enterprise, in academia, in research, uh, in all sorts of, of fields where women need to be able to make decisions uh, in, uh, in the same rate as, as men do. Um, we also fall behind in terms of time, uh, as uh, weird that <laughs> may sound, uh, because we all have 24 hours every day, but it's very different the ways we use uh, this time. Uh, men tend to be able to invest much more time in their paid profession, whereas women take up more uh, care responsibilities uh, at home and, and elsewhere. So uh, I think it is important to also address that because it's um, very tightly linked to their economic empowerment and their uh, opportunities, the opportunities they have to access positions of power. We have a very low employment rate. We are uh, at the bottom of the, of the list there as well, uh, and we need to address that. And of course, there is the huge issue of gender-based violence that uh, is permeating every aspect of our lives, both our private and, and public. Uh, so I think it goes with, without saying there's been lots of progress over the last decades and there is still very much progress to be made. Thank you, Stella. I think uh, this goes without saying that in, in gender equality, there's always uh, more progress needed, like you say, in, in many contexts. Um, Aisha, could you also give us the picture about gender equality in Turkey? Because also some um, experts believe that you know Turkey's withdrawal from the Istanbul Convention last year um, can make the situation worse than before. There were concerns about that. Um, what can you tell us? Thank you, Elam. As you pointed out very uh, at the very beginning, Turkey is one of uh, the countries uh, who gave the right to vote and to be elected to women uh, from uh, anyone else. But uh, Turkey was not uh, able to keep this track, actually. Um, but here in Turkey... Um, Let me give you first um, a number. According to World Economic Forum, among uh, more than 150 countries, Turkey is at uh, the uh, 133 um, when it comes to gender equality. Uh, and um, when we look at, the, for example, women employment, it is around 30%. And uh, we don't definitely, we don't uh, able to implement um, equal work, equal uh, payment uh, principle. Um, these are the bad sides. But on the other hand, when it comes to education, um, it is uh, the woman um, education uh, level is increasing. And actually, surprisingly for many, almost half of the Turkish academia is women and uh, they are young now. Um, but they are coming. So in a very near future, uh, most of our professors, uh, maybe even uh, half, more than half of them will be women. Uh, so there is a there is a strong, actually, development and improvement when it comes uh, to women. But by their efforts, what is happening? I mean, it's I have to I have to say it. The gender equality is not really in Turkey, but the women themselves are working very hard to uh, to get there. Um, however, the problem is they have been left alone, as you said. Uh, Turkey withdrew from the Istanbul Convention. 
uh, we have a serious problem, uh, woman um, violence against women. Just only in October, there were 34 femicides and uh, 26 suspicious deaths. And uh, and when it comes to law, actually, uh, the law and the practice when it comes to gender equality is really different in Turkey. When you, when you just look at the laws, uh, all laws are so good on uh, protecting women. All the regulations are there. All the participation uh, in workforce, in politics, all the regulations are there. But it, it is not happening because of the dominant culture in the Turkish society. So our problem are not the laws, but the dominant culture, and actually, which is a little bit uh, encouraged by the current uh, government uh, by its discourse. But then again, on the other hand, when it comes to uh, Turkish society and uh, the main Turkish, uh, how to say, um, social opposition, I think the women are the most well-organized uh, opposition elements in Turkey in all kind of, um, from different ideologies. So this is where we are. Uh, but uh, I am, I have to say that despite this very dark picture, I am very optimistic. Thank you, Aisha. Uh, actually, you made a very uh, good point there, and I'd like to take it as a question to you both. That you know, we are seeing in both Greece and Turkey um, many female researchers, academics, um, uh, professors. Compared to the other professions, women are doing really good in the academic life and in education. Uh, I'm wondering if you could reflect on that, uh, given all the sort of other limitations that we have just said, you know, how we can uh, read this in, in both countries? Why is this happening? I would first like to comment on uh, what uh, Ace said about the law, because um, I, I totally agree that law and practice are two different things. Greece is among the 12 countries that are considered to have achieved uh, legal gender equality at uh, 100%, <laughs> but then we see how much work we need. We still need to, to do. Um, about the research that you pointed out, um, I think one reason is that women really excel higher education, and, and this is something that we see in, in many countries over the world uh, that are women are overrepresented in, in, in higher education. So the path is there for them. Another thing is that education and academia, I think, are still considered as uh, women-friendly uh, professions. They are considered more flexible, you know, less aggressive, more social, uh, more caring even. You know, teaching has always uh, been connected to care and and. and uh, not always to women, but over the last few centuries, it's it's also very closely connected to women. The question here is, uh, whereas research and academia have gained a lot from becoming more you know, gender diverse, the question is if women have the same opportunities to advance in the uh, higher levels of research and academia as men do. I don't know if you remember a paper that came out, I think it was Nature journal uh, back at the beginning of the pandemic that showed that because of the lockdowns and because of the of women staying behind uh, at home and caring for for children's uh, uh, you know 
school, uh, from remote schooling and taking care of everything within the house, uh, their publications, the academic, academic publications fell behind. Uh, so, yes, I think it's, it's a question to ponder on whether we see many women in, in the lower ranks of academia and then we see them dropping out. I think you are most, you and I say are most suitable to, to answer that question. Yes, um, thank you for pointing out about the impact of COVID, which created a huge setback for female academics and researchers in the last two years. And uh, Aisha, do you have any um, anything to add? Uh, I think, I mean, basically in Turkish society, the glass ceilings for women are very strong. Um, I mean, when if you are a working woman, you have to be uh, successful um, as double uh, of your male colleagues, for example. I mean, uh, in order to um, in order to uh, be visible in your successes, you really have to work very hard. If you have an expertise and uh, most probably it's uh, uh, better or equal with your male colleagues, but uh, the, uh, the dominant culture uh, will have some hesitations to hear you. Um, it is very much related with the culture, but this culture is also created, uh, re-sort of reconstructed by the media and by uh, the current uh, government in Turkey and uh, in uh, by by politics in general. Um, so um, law are there, women are ready, uh, but um, obstacles and obstacles. This is what we are facing in our society. Yes, that's a very good point you're making there. That maybe the media is uh, not helping this dominant culture, or maybe it's producing, reproducing this dominant culture. Uh, so I want to ask you, because both of you have a journalism background, and um, what do you think is the role of uh, media or journalism in Greece and in Turkey in helping or supporting women's empowerment? Is it um, helping gender equality? No, it's not helping at all, especially when it comes to mainstream media. Uh, the mainstream media, by not uh, giving uh, platforms uh, to women as an expert, uh, but uh, always portraying them as uh, weak and the most of the time as victims or just um, by their um, sexuality. So... Although when it comes to femicides, the media is uh, sort of crying after women, but they are crocodile tears because uh, they are not aware of uh, the fact that how they are contributing to the situation. Uh, in the uh, Turkish TV series, in Turkish news, uh, the portraits of uh, women, uh, it's not fitting the realities of the society and it's not uh, helping gender equality at all. But this is what I am talking about, the mainstream media. On the other hand, Turkey has a very vivid new media organizations. They are mostly young people. Uh, they are paying attention to gender equality. 
uh, they are sort of the ones who are running uh, the series and uh, the ones who are really doing good journalism are born into gender equality. So it is also changing. But for the time being, in uh, mainstream Turkish media is just reproducing uh, all these uh, dominant culture, which is not uh, woman-friendly at all. Thank you, Aisha. Stella, how, how is the situation in Greek media? I think, yes, many of mainstream media still, you know, keep talking and writing and communicating in the same sexist way and stereotype um, heavy way. Uh, on the other hand, I think it was about one year and a half ago, I almost cried the first time I saw in a very big newspaper in Greece, or maybe the biggest newspaper in Greece, the word femicide in one of their tweets. And it was a huge step for the Greek media because up until then, the word was not even considered. Uh, in journalism, uh, except, you know, with alternative or left-wing media where it was just starting being used. But then mainstream media, it was not used at all. So I think we've made huge steps. Uh, I think the rise of uh, online feminist media is also uh, playing a part in this. Even mainstream women's media, which are not that much magazines anymore it's more like uh portals and blogs and sites um have started you know uh accommodating the idea of bringing more feminist content out this is not by any means mainstream yet but i have seen some progress over the last few years thank you yes maybe the new media the digital media might be offering um Uh, newer new paths you know maybe new platforms to um to counterbalance in a way uh, the dominant discourses um or, or stereotypes about women i also want to ask you um, um we have seen recently years the me too movement as a global movement that was um, maybe being picked up by women on social media in terms of giving support to this kind of global um, campaigns. Um, do you have any reflections about Greece in that matter? I think Me Too came late in Greece. And when it came, it came through sports, the sports industry, and also uh, theater, the entertainment industry. So it hasn't really caught up in, in the fields where women are less powerful and more in numbers so you know in in big companies or in in fields in care in care professions i think we still have a lot of work to do there in order to start talking about sexual harassment and sexual violence so i think progress is slow as i said before mm-hmm. but uh, there is some progress being made Aisha, do you have any reflections about the role of social media or digital media? You just pointed out to the power of um, the feminist movement uh, online compared to other networks. Um, do you have more to add there? Yes, I mean, um, social media, uh, I don't know the exact numbers. You would know better than me. 
but uh, social media is turned into Turkey is uh, the real, almost uh, the main uh, source of the news and the main source of the uh, organization. And at the same time, main source of the polarization, of course. Uh, but uh, I think the women are using uh, social media in Turkey uh, very well for um, getting together, for organizing demonstrations and uh, for pointing out their views. Uh, but uh, when it comes to Me Too movement, uh, the situation is not different uh, than uh, the Greece. Uh, we have also a very long way to go there. In Turkey, the movement, Me Too movement, was not Me Too, its name, but it was don't uh, keep uh, silence, uh, so it should uh, be over. Susma uh, Bitsin in Turkish. And uh, it was uh, mainly on the, the sector of the uh, publishing uh, and uh, literature. Uh, so because uh, this is one of the uh, areas that, that the woman uh, creativity are exploited uh, most and uh, in quotation respected uh, men are uh, sort of uh, living at the back of the woman in most cases. But it was not as strong as uh, the European or the American Me Too movement. We have uh, maybe some other big issues that we had to divert or energies in Turkey. I mean, yes, Turkish feminist movement is strong in Turkey. Yes, it is improving, it is developing, and uh, it is uh, very uh, giving very hopes for the future. Uh, but uh, I guess uh, the energy uh, that we have to uh, able to spend diverted to um, other areas, I have to say. Um, but uh, especially among the young people, uh, we can see that this uh, Me Too movement is getting strength yes maybe the like you said the younger um, generations are more free to talk about it or they are okay to talk about it uh, on social media in a more public um, more public way and actually we pointed out the differences in many industries but the creative industry the media um, maybe your organizations um, uh, are um, trying to um, empower women in these different sectors of, of uh, business and media. Could you tell us a bit more about the roles and activities, what you do, um, how you sort of, uh, how you have achieved, what you have achieved in terms of your goals? Um, Aisha, can I start with you? Can you tell us a bit about your organization? Sure. As we uh, earlier, uh, we talked about uh, the role of the media when it comes to gender equality. And the media is not only giving us news, but also so the, uh, presenting us a set of ideas. And even if we are not aware of it by um, uh, media, by using sexist language or uh, uh, not uh, giving platforms to women are reproducing this. And uh, we, uh, as a group of women, we came together and we look at the, the Turkish TV uh, stations and we notice, like everyone, uh, the uh, how do we call, all the experts are men and uh, there is no place for the women. And uh, yes, of course, there is a very huge root uh, reason for it, but there are also practical reasons for it. And we talked about what is these practical reasons, and uh, we identified two. 
the first practical reason that uh, all the journalists have telephone notebooks and they are full of men. And it's just because it's a tradition. It's not, it's not because that they are, they don't want to give uh, platforms to women. Simply they are like everywhere uh, running um against time and uh, their telephone notebooks are full of men this is the first reason and the second reason is this uh, i mean media uh, especially in polarized societies can be a little bit uh, how to say uh, scary uh, because there might be and when it comes to women it is becoming more there might be some lynching attempts in social media. Now, this is very common, I would say. I'm sorry to say that, but implementation in Turkey. They, women are not familiar with the sort of rules or practice uh, to appear in the media. So we have two basic practical problems. How can we solve that? This is the question that we asked ourselves. So first, uh, we decided to make a data bank, which is open to all journalists and conference organizers. And uh, we are uh, making uh, urges to women experts and telling them that, could you please enroll this mechanism, this data bank, because you are experts, you have lots of things to say to public about your own areas, and uh, you have to appear on the media uh, with your expertise to change the mentality of the dominant culture. Uh, and then uh, the sec- when it comes to second issue, we are organizing trainings for women it is a half day, a little bit more than half day training. First, we are trying to talk about with our participants uh, what is the importance of it, why we should appear on media. And uh, we are talking about how media works, what is the media organizations in Turkey, how they are organized, how a journalist thinks, uh, those kind of things we are talking about them. And uh, we are also giving lots of uh, practical information to them, how to appear on TV, how to talk with a newspaper, how to interview, how to give an interview, how to do a podcast. And if you are not happy with it, how to, with the general media, how can you be more visible in the social media? We are talking about all these subjects. And then we are also taking our participants one, one-on-one uh, training. And in this training, the real uh, anchor women are making them simulation of a real TV broadcasting. And we are doing uh, everything and we are making sure that everything happens to them which might happen in a live broadcasting and then after it to see the results it's so lovely and uh, because the women are saying ah oh, that's is that all i mean yes i can go for it and then we feel so ha- happy about it and then we are also encouraging uh, those women who participated in our trainings to appear and on media and we are also telling our journalist friends uh, you use this platform and then you know it's it's so lovely to see all these women who participated this uh, training and then to appear on the media the first time they are smiling we are smiling and we are sort of coaching them to to increase uh, their number uh, the women 
uh, on uh, media in general, uh, in all the uh, fields of the uh, media as experts, uh, we do believe that it's a very small step, uh, but it might uh, its contribution might uh, might might be big. So we are happy for doing it. Thank you, Aisha. It's it's actually fantastic that you know that everybody's happy at the end of these uh, training sessions or, or meetings because I think women are in a in a way more humble when they they are, they are talking about their achievements and their expertise. So this is great that you are giving them um, more um, confidence, you know, to to express what they already can do. Uh, so it's fantastic, Stella. Can you tell us a bit more about your organization and how you help uh, women advancing their professional uh, presence or professional lives? Sure. Uh, first, uh, let me say that I found uh, uh, the work that uh, ISA has been doing with uh, Women for the Media very exciting and we would love to uh, talk more about that. Um, we haven't worked as much on, on that field. We have partnered with uh, the Brussels Binders which is an organization in, in Brussels doing a similar thing um, in terms of, uh, you know, creating an open list, uh, an open database of women experts and offer that that uh, database to journalists and, uh, and also conference organizers and uh, event organizers. But we would love to connect more about that. Uh, in terms of what we do, we work on three main pillars, one in the individual empowerment of women, and we use three tools to do that, mentoring, professional development workshops, and also community building, uh, because we believe that in, in communities, women have the chance to both support one another, but also to practice the skills they learn uh, in their professional development um, uh, programs. Uh, we've been doing, uh, we've been building mentoring relationships since uh, 2012. And we actually use our mentors, use is not the best word, but uh, we um, help our mentors get access to, to media opportunities and speaking opportunities. So um, we, we really see them as a source of experts that uh, can gain more visibility in, in the public sphere. The second pillar we work on is um, uh, diversity and inclusion in organizational settings. So we work with companies and organizations assisting them in their diversity and inclusion efforts. Uh, we do trainings, we do women's empowerment within organizations, and we also do gender impact assessments. Um, we assess the gender impact of uh, a specific product or programs or whole organizations, and then we uh, suggest gender action plans that can be implemented uh, by the organizations themselves. And the third pillar we work on is um, general awareness and research around gender equality in Greece. So uh, we have been conducting research on the financial literacy of women in Greece, on the financing gap for women entrepreneurs, uh, gender equality issues at schools, and then we build policy proposals uh, on these, these topics. Uh, we also train educators in, in, in how to integrate our gender equality principles in the classroom, and 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 we create uh, public awareness campaigns, for example, around the use of parental leave by fathers. Uh, so we try to work on on you know the three levels of individual organization and then uh, society, and because we feel that there this is the way you can have the uh, most impact. And of course, media is a huge part of that. So thank you, Isa, for doing that work. 
Thank you both of you um, for telling us more about your organizations. I think uh, you are doing an immense job, you know, in all these areas, in all these sectors for, for women, women's empowerment. Um, we are coming to the end of our um, podcast episode today. But before we go, um, we talked about, you know, progress and some uh, small steps. Stella was hopeful and Aisha was hopeful. So I want to end on a hopeful note. Uh, what can you say uh, for the new future? Uh, how can we make things better or take things uh, one step further? I do believe in um, the younger uh, woman generation in Turkey. Uh, they are they are quite uh, progressed uh, compare to ours. I mean, when I compare myself uh, to my mother, yes, we we had, uh, my generation had a quite uh, huge road, but when I compare myself with my daughter, uh, their generation took uh, uh, double uh, what we achieved. And uh, for us, uh, I mean, when I remember when I was young, we had to do uh, awareness, um, awareness raising um, workshops and so on. But uh, the uh, new generation born into it and uh, they born with this knowledge. Uh, they don't need any uh, in this respect when it comes to gender equality both uh, men and women of the new generation they don't need that so this is this is uh, why i am uh, very helpful because in their uh, dream in their future uh, gender equality uh, because their mentality is really different from the previous ones will be better i don't I, i don't want to say that the problems will disappear uh, but sure they will be in a better position thank you aisha stella i completely agree with that we regularly hold conversations and empowerment circles with uh, um young girls and, and teenagers and we see that their view of the world is completely different not just from Uh, our views, but also from the views we had when we were their age. And this is the most important thing. Uh, they are m- much more open to issues of uh, not just gender equality, but but also gender expansion. So I think there there is hope there. My only concern is because caring responsibilities, motherhood, family are still Uh, a huge, uh, I wouldn't say barrier, but it's a huge stereotype uh, around gender equality issues. So even when we see relative equality among young people, then things change when um, women become mothers and and, uh, men become fathers. So uh, for me, the next frontier is for us to empower men to take up more caring responsibilities and allowing themselves to participate in the feminine spheres of society, such as communication and, and, and emotional expression and, and care, as I said. And I think this is what will help the next generation move through their lives um, while keeping consistent uh, with the views they now have around gender. Uh, so I think Things change, things become more complicated when you, you age, when you grow up. So we we don't just need the good intentions of young people. 
we also need the infrastructure and, and, and the systems and the um, societal change in order to uh, keep up with these uh, these good intentions. Thank you, Stella Kashtagli, Aisha Karabat, for your reflections, for your uh, contribution, comments. It has been a pleasure for me to talk to you. We have done, I think, the longest episode uh, so far, but uh, it's a, it's a, such an important topic uh, that I'm so happy we had this chance. Uh, thank you for participating, and uh, hopefully there will be more collaboration uh, in the future. Thank you for the inviting, and it was uh, a very, um, then again, hopeful and nice conversation, and I am so happy to meet with Stella. Thank you both. It was really inspiring, and I hope we can keep in touch and create more partnerships to advance gender equality in, in both our countries and beyond. Yes, thank you. Mm-hmm.